Well, good morning, everyone. How's it going? Great. Um, we're going to continue in our study in Colossians. So if you've got your Bibles, go with me over to Colossians chapter 3. I know it feels like we've been in Colossians chapter 3 for literally, I don't know, half the time I've been here. Um, but if you, it, it's just there's so much richness in this text. I just, I love Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Um, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures, children are a blessing from the Lord. Amen? According to, that's what the Bible says. Psalms 127 verse 3 through 5 says, Behold, children are a heritage or a blessing from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So, um, like, for some reason, I, I don't know why, but for some reason, I, I, honestly, we were only going to be able to figure out in eternity, for some reason in the culture in which we live, children are looked upon as burdens rather than blessings. And that just baffles me. And I, I just... It really struck me as I was studying this and I was, I was going over some things. The reason, if we look at the world in which we live right now, if we look at all the crazy that's going on, all the, all the rioting, all the looting, all the just hurtfulness, all the insanity, is, is major, a majority of it's being pushed out and perpetrated by who? Young people. Young people. And the reason that so many children, I mean, in essence, some of these kids are just teenagers. They're young folks. And the reason that a lot of young people, a lot of teenagers have become burdensome is because they were treated like burdens for so many years. And the reason we've got kids that are tearing things up is be, and, there's, and they're, they're a burden on society is because they were treated like burdens. And man, if you, if you go day in and day out and you're treated like a burden, you're, you're going to start to believe it. You're like, I guess this is just who I am. I'm going to go ahead and make a, make a mess of stuff. The reason we have so many students that are burdensome is because they've been treated like burdens. Guys, this this should not be. Children are a blessing from the Lord. They're a blessing. And so what I want to do is I want us as I'm going to I'm going to speak to fathers this morning because the text is speaking to fathers. And I want us to look at this. This is what it looks like. Dads, we've been called to disciple and we've been called to discipline our children in love. And I believe if we had more fathers that were disciplining and discipling their children in love, we'd have a lot less of what's happening in the world in which we live right now. Amen? All right. So let's just look at this. Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Dads, dads, he's called us not to. This is, the, this is a directive. Fathers, do not provoke. Don't provoke. He, he's, he did not say in, this, in, the, in the text, fathers, Flip out and just lose your mind on your kids. Now, anybody in the room, dads, ever lost your mind on your kids? Uh, I have. Your pastors. I said fathers. I didn't, I'm not talking to mothers yet. We're, we're, 
I said, dads, how many dads? Okay, I have. Your pastor has lost his mind on his kids. There's like, I get it. Like, that's the sinful side of it. But that doesn't excuse, that doesn't excuse it. God says, fathers, do not provoke your children. He didn't say flip out and yell and scream at them and belittle them and rip them apart. He calls you to love them and bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. That's what Colossians tells us. So I want to pick apart the text, and then we're going to move into some other texts this morning for fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So let's just pick that apart. The word, first word, provoke. I looked it up in, in the dictionary in my thesaurus. Aggre- and other words that go along with it. Aggressiveness, unnecessary anger, enragement, incitement, belittling, inflaming, infuriating, or irking. Like, so these are things you're not supposed to do as a father. Don't, 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 unnecessary, don't use unnecessary anger on your children. Now, let me just, there are going to be moments, there are going to be moments when your children will not be happy with your discipline. Amen? <laughs> They're not going to be happy. And that's, that's okay. That's okay. If you're disciplining in love and they still are not okay with it, that's okay. There's going to be moments when they're not going to be happy with your discipline. But you fathers are to set the tone of discipline in your home. Like I said, screaming, yelling, losing your mind almost never work. It just never work. And it ends up, you get to the point where you're screaming and enraged. And they're screaming and they're raging back at you. And you're going to end up saying things that are hurtful. They're going to end up saying things that are hurtful. And it's just not beneficial. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 echoes this and expands it a little bit further. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline or the fear of the, and the instruction of the Lord. Like, this is what we're, we're called as fathers. This is what we're called to do as fathers. We're called to raise our homes up in the, in the admonition and the dis- discipline of the Lord. This is what we should be doing. We should be setting fathers. Look at me. You should be setting the spiritual tone in your home. And if you're not, you're failing. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. Now... As a father, how do, we, how do we set the tone? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live this out? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go over to Psalms chapter 101. Like, I was reading through Psalms 101. Psalms 101 is literally the most mind-blowing psalm in my, for a father. Go to Psalms 101. This is a Davidic, this is, a, this is David writing the psalm, and he's expressing the righteous commands of the king, because David is the king, so he's expressing this righteous command of the king to his king Christ and to his house so we're going to start in in verse 2 I will be careful to live a blameless life when will you come to help me I will lead a life of integrity in my home like wow just those first that first verse that chapter 101 verse 2 I will be careful to live a blameless life. As the king, when you see the word blameless, you're the leader. You're the spiritual tone setter. You're the leader of your home. As the king goes, so goes his followers. As the king goes, so goes his followers. Fathers, you are the king of your home. That, that's not 
Like that's God's command. You're the king of your home. You're the king of your domain. Like you're the, you're the under shepherd of your home. You're the pastor. Fathers, you are the pastor of your home. You are. And a king starts with his own personal life and then he looks beyond his own personal life into his realm of dominion, his kingdom. So the first thing that he says there is, I will be careful. Fathers, we're called to be careful. I will be careful to live a blameless life, a life that is above reproach, a life that is, that is a man of integrity. Like, here's the thing. Is anybody in the room perfect? Any man in the room perfect? I didn't think so. None of us are. But that, here's the thing. We look to the one who is perfect. We are led and guided by the Holy Spirit who is perfect. He is the one who, who is to guide us on this. And, and this is where we start. We start by getting into the Word of God. And I, I was listening to a guy last night. Like things dramatically shift when you begin to spend more than four Four plus days in the Word of God. If you spend at least four days in the Word of God, things begin to shift dramatically. Anger and bitterness drops by 30%. Um, pornography view, uh, pornography uh, viewing drops by 61%. Um, Difficulties in your, in your family's life drops by 45%. These are just stats that I was listening to a guy last night on different, different things. This is just spending four days in the Word of God. Just studying and listening to the Word of God. Just letting that pour over your life. This is where he, David says, okay, I will be careful to live a blameless life. How do we, how do we become a, a, a man of integrity? How are we going to lead a life of integrity in our own homes? You have to be spiritually healthy. If you're not healthy, the rest of your house is not going to be healthy. Because you are the initiator. Men are the initiators. We are set up by God. We are the ones we initiate. And our wives and our children are responders. They respond to us. So if you walk in and you've lost your mind, like I can tell you by my own experience, when I've gone into my house and I've lost my mind on my wife or I've lost my mind on my kids, it rarely goes, my, my, my wife and my kids are like, oh my, after if I come in just losing my mind, my wife and my kids are going, you know what, I think he's right. That absolutely works. Honey, I'll do anything you need me to do. That's awesome. That's not how that works. If I come in and lose my mind on my kids or my wife, they're going to respond and reciprocate. But if I come in and I have a rational discussion and I'm careful to live a life that is above reproach and I walk in and I say, listen, there are things that I have that I need to discuss with folks here. And I use a calm, cool, spirit-filled, rational head. It goes better for me. I will lead a life of integrity, not just Anywhere, but it starts at home. If you lead a life of integrity at home, you're going to have a life of integrity everywhere else. Let's keep going. Verse 3. I will refuse to look at anything that is vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas. Like this is just saying, I'm going to be a man of integrity. I'm going to be a man of 
uh, above reproach. I refuse to look at any, anything that's vulgar and vile. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to expose myself to that. I'm going to pursue holiness rather than worldliness. I'm going to refuse to look at these things. And I just, I hate those that deal crookedly. I don't want to deal with people that are crooked. Anybody in the room love it? You want to work with somebody? You want to deal with somebody or work with somebody that's crooked or, or, or a liar or a cheat? Nobody in business is like, you know what, sign me up for some of that guy that steals. No one's saying that. No one wants to be a part of that. Nobody wants that. I, would, I will reject these perverse ideas. This is what happens when you become a man who says, I'm going to live in integrity. I'm going to live as a blameless, godly man. I'm going to reject perverse ideas. and I'm going to stay away from everything that is evil. Now, this takes discipline, amen? The world's pulling at us, and our sin nature wants to just jump in bed with what's worldly. Amen? Like our, our sinful desire wants to just jump right in bed with everything that's nasty. But this is where studying and grafting, having God's word poured over your heart and over your mind daily. Romans chapter 12, daily, I'll, I'll renew my mind daily. Listen, I love this, verse 5. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. Yeah, how about that one? Did I tell you about sister so-and-so? You know, I think she's having an affair with brother so-and-so. Like, we, that's what I heard. At least that's, somebody posted it on Facebook. I think so. I think that's what it is. I, well, I could be wrong, but did I tell you about them? No, no, no. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. Listen, listen instead of coming to me and telling me about what's going on in their life, why don't you go talk to them? Why don't you go talk to them? Why don't you go talk to them? I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit or pride. This is what it looks like to be a godly man of integrity and blameless. I will search for faithful people as my companions. I'm going to surround myself with men and women who are pursuing Jesus, who are pursuing holiness, who are pursuing godliness, and I want to be around those people. And that's like my personal thing, is I want to put myself around people. I don't want to be the most godly guy in the room. I want to find men and women who love Jesus more than I do, and I want that to rub off on me. I, I got friends that, man, that, that's, they pursue Christ. Like, that's all they do. And I just, like, I want to get around those people because, man, it'll rub off on me. That should be our hope is, man, I want to get around people that are more godly than me so that it can rub off on me and I can pursue holiness more by just being around the people that are pursuing holiness. Because here's the thing, the people you hang out with, and I said this last week, the people you hang out with are the people that you will become. If you're hanging out with shady people, you're going to be eventually become shady. And I, I, well, you always got the one person, well, aren't we supposed to witness to them? Absolutely. But you're not supposed to hang out with them. You don't jump in the mud pit and roll around with them. You witness to them. You are, you are the godly person that says, okay, let me point you to Christ. You're the, you're the man of God. You're the woman of God that says, let me point you to Christ. I will not tolerate people this. I will, I will search out for faithful men and women to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. Like, if you're an employer, if you're, you're hiring people, you want to look for people that have integrity. You want to look for men and women that are 
that are honest, that are true, that are like, that's the biggest thing. If you can find people that are will, that have a great and moral compass, you can teach the rest. You can teach the rest. You got to find people that have good moral compasses. You got to be around people that are willing to be above reproach. Verse 7, I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house uh, and liars will not stay in my presence. My dad always said this, and I've repeated this to my kids. If you'll lie to me, you'll steal from me. If you'll steal from me, you'll kill me. Period. If you'll lie to me, you'll steal from me. If you'll steal from me, you'll eventually kill me. It starts with a lie. I will not allow deceitful people to be in my house. Liars won't be in my presence. I'm not interested in liars. My dad always told me, you're never more like Satan than when you tell a lie. You're never more like Satan than when you tell a lie. And I love this. The last part of verse 8, or this, this Psalms. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and to free the city of the Lord from their grip. Like, this is, like this, is a, this is right here. Christians are supposed to get involved in the city. We're supposed to be involved in politics. We're supposed to be involved. We, we, we're, what, what's our daily task? To ferret out those that are wicked and to free the city from those, the wicked grip. Wow. We're going to get involved. And I love like this, like two days ago, like, Oh, I think it was over 100. Was it a, I can't remember how many young children were freed from human trafficking. They arrested 39 scumbags. Like, I would immediately love, like, I'm, I'm all for, when that comes in, about, let's find the firing squad. Amen? If you want to hurt a young child, let's take you out and put you on a, on a brick wall and line up some men with some guns. Caleb, you're going to be in No. That's wicked. Like that's my daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and to free the city. Like that's what as Christian men we should be pursuing wicked. Like finding things that are wicked and saying okay we need to get rid of it. We need to expose it. We need to free the city from its grasp. Like that's what we're called to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 13 and 14 gives us as men what, what we should do. How we should be walking out our faith says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that is done be done in love. We need to be watchful over our children, men. We've we've been given a mandate by the Lord Jesus Christ. Fathers, don't provoke. We need to be watchful over our children. We need to stand firm in the faith for our children. Our children need to see that we are activated in our faith. Our children need to see that we are truly activated for the Lord Jesus Christ and not just affiliated with the Lord Jesus Christ. So many Christian men, and I use that in air quotes because they're probably not. They say they are, but they're affiliated. They got the name Christian, but there's actually nothing. There's no meat there. It's all fluff. It's all show. It's nothing. We need, our children need to see us activated in our faith. And many times children learn, what what they learn is not taught, but rather it's caught. They see what's a priority, they see what's not a priority. Like, our children see what we prioritize. If you prioritize the lake, 
And I got to be, man, I got to get in that boat. Got to get to the lake. I got to go, got to go. I know it's Sunday, but man, I got to get to the lake. I can worship the Lord Jesus out there on the water. You can, but you won't. You can, but you won't. I could, I got to, man, I got to pursue that ball. My kid's going to get, my kid's going to college. He's going to, he's going to win. He's going to be the next Michael Jordan. Statistically, no, he's not. Statistically, no, he's not. So well, he might be, or I can promise you a hundred percent chance your child will stand in front of the Lord Jesus Christ and have to give an account. And if you put, you put the ball up here and you put Jesus and church and the Bible down here, but man, the ball, oh, the ball. How dare you? You're, a, you're an idolater and you need to repent. Your children will Prioritize what you prioritize. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen families that go to church maybe once every two months. They show up every once in a while for a big event or they just show up every couple of months. But man, they don't miss Boy Scouts. They don't miss soccer practice or basketball practice, football practice. They don't miss any of those awesome organizations. And man, their kids are really, man, they, they're really awesome later. They're excited about all those things later. But man, they have no appetite for the things of God. They have no pursuit of holiness. And they think that they're okay. You're not okay. Your children will prioritize what you prioritize. And they will not prioritize what you don't prioritize. If you don't think church is that important, they oh, well, I'm not going to be a part of it. We need to show our children what godly men and women act and look like. We need to be strong for our children in the faith. We need to stand firm and we need to act like men and we need to do everything in love. Like the most loving thing you can do as a parent is to make sure your kids are involved in church. Like I've grown up in the church and I was involved in the church. My dad is a pastor. And we went to church when the youth group was just me and my brother. So don't give me the aww. My, I just need my kids to be socially interacted at church. You don't have the programs. You don't got the music. You know, blah, blah, blah. I went to church for decades, just me and my brother. And my parents said, this is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And they were faithful. Now, did we, did we mess up and make mistakes and, and, and sin? Absolutely. Did we do things that were boneheaded? Absolutely. But we... The Holy Spirit worked in us. Like this is what you as a parent need to do. You need to set kindling around your child that is holy kindling and pray that the Holy Spirit ignites it. Pray that the Holy Spirit ignites that kindling around your child. Because that's all that matters. Like Everybody wants to know what matters right now. That knowing Jesus correctly will matter in 10,000 years. That you could do a slam dunk or a... Or a Touchdown, or you could hunt, or you could shoot this, or you could do that, will not matter in 10,000 years. That you know Christ and know Him well matters. That you love Him and you pursue Him and you long for His presence. When we just say, and that's the sad thing about it, is a lot of us, I think we just, we see the words, of, and uh, I'm desperate for, are you really desperate for Jesus? Uh, I'm lost without Well, you are lost without him, but do you understand that? You are lost without him. You should be desperate for him because he's everything that you need. He's everything. 
Young men, let me just, let me talk to the young men in the room. You need to be activated for your faith now. You need to be activated in your faith now because that'll have a bleed over into your marriages and into your parenting later in life. If you're activated for the cause of Christ now, if you're pursuing the Word of God and you're loving the Word of God now and you're spending time in it and reading it and letting it pour over your soul every day, that'll have a bleed over effect when you get older. When you just become complacent to the things of God, eventually it's, you know, eh, not a big deal. Young men, I'm pleading with you to be activated and not affiliated with the cause of Christ. Because it will bleed over into your marriages and into your adult life. So fathers, we're called not to provoke our children, but we're called to bring them up in the admonition and the discipline of the Lord. I'm not saying to say, I'm not saying to be the soft anything goes dad. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that we are to discipline our children with a desire to see repentance and reconciliation. If you just come in and you're wrathful and just and that's it, it's not going to go well. Now, let me just, I'll tell you personal, my own personal story. I've gone in and I have been wrathful and vengeant and angry and ticked off at my kids and yelled and screamed and act like a buffoon. I have. But here's what I will tell you. The Holy Spirit has been quick to say, no, sir, don't do that. That's not how we work. And I sit all my children down. I sit my wife down and I look at my kids in the eye and I say, Hannah, Gabe, Austin, Noah, Jamie, I'm sorry. What I did was wrong and it was wicked and I need your forgiveness. Will you please forgive me? What? You actually tell your kids that you were wrong? Absolutely. Your kids see you as a sinner and a flawed dad? Absolutely. Because I am. There would be a lie to say, I've got it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. I mess up. And I have to look at my kids and say, listen kids, dad messed up. Will you please forgive me? And guess what? My kids forgive me. And we hug it out. And we pray together. And we hang out and we talk together about these things. Because if you just, if you say, man, they don't need to know I'm wrong. You are going to damage your, your relationship with your children. If you say, well, I'm always right. You're not always right. You're a human being. You're going to mess up. You're going to fall short. And that's what the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is for. Our desire is to see our children to come to know Jesus. And one of the best ways we could do that is discipline and love. That we could pursue Christ, know Christ. We can do this by setting the example. We can do this by pursuing holiness. Hebrews tells us that without the pursuit of holiness, you will never be in the presence of God. If you want to be in the presence of God, you've got to pursue holiness. We have to do this by repenting. By repenting. Don't... don't, I don't want you to think that you can find, like, some of you that say, well, am I too far gone? Like, we just talked about this in Sunday school. David was a sinful guy, but he found God's grace, and it was lavished upon him. Don't think that you can just, I'll never get to God's grace. I'm just, I'm too too far gone. You can find God's grace, but you've got to come to the end of yourself and you've got to come to the end of your own prideful arrogance and say, God, I'm sorry. 
God, I'm sorry for who I am. I have been a wicked man. And man, it is a freeing thing when you come to the end of yourself and say, Jesus, it's not me. It's it's all about you. Like, that's the beautiful thing about the the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is that he wants his kids to be found in such a way, in such a light that he wants to be able to find, or for you to be able to find reconciliation and redemption. That's what he wants you to find. He wants you to find his grace. And dads, you can do this. You just repent and move forward. Admit where you were wrong. Repent and move forward. Don't dwell on it. Don't dwell on the past and say, man, all the mistakes I made back there. You can't. The past is prologued. You cannot fix the past other than to say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Now let's move forward. Let's move forward. Repent and move forward. Repent and move on. That's what we're called to do as men. We're called to raise our children, discipline our children, raise our children in the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And show up. Listen, I know I've I've fallen short. Our desire is to see our children come to know Jesus. It, It just is. And what I, what my hope for us as dads is we're we're not going to be affiliated dads. We're going to be activated dads for the cause of Christ, and that we would make this a priority, and that we would make this place a priority. It shouldn't be an afterthought of well, it's just something we do. Some place if we if we've got nothing else going on, we'll go to church. Like, I know people, I know personal people that I live, that I've been around, that, like, that's just what they do. They're just, church is just an afterthought. Jesus is just an afterthought. Jesus is really big when we're in trouble. Man, oh, I'm in trouble, Lord, I need you. Now, you need Jesus when things are going good, too. Amen? We need the gospel when things are going good. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day when we wake up. We need to be willing to, to, to recognize where we're wrong and we need to repent. And this is the beautiful thing. God doesn't hold grudges. Like Jesus doesn't go, well, I know you're saying sorry today, but you remember that thing you did six years ago? I still got it on my calendar. Jesus doesn't do that. The moment you repent, the scripture says that he forgets it and it's as far as the east is from from the west and he doesn't remember it. Like, why in the world would we want to just harbor up and stay away from that kind of grace and just heap on ourselves condemnation? Why would we not want to run to a loving father that's willing to say, I'm willing to forgive you and and to propel you into the stratosphere of holiness? Why would we want to do that? Why would, we want to, why would we not want to be a part of that? Why would we just want to be like, man, I want to do my thing. I don't need to ask for forgiveness. I don't need to ask my kids for forgiveness. I don't need to ask my spouse for forgiveness. I don't need to ask Jesus for... I'm good. No, you need to ask. You need to repent. I need to repent. And this is the beautiful thing about it, is that, that God's big enough to forgive us. Like... He's a father that's willing to forgive and to lavish his grace on us. Like that's how amazing and incredible the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is. We need to be strong in this as fathers. We need to be setting the spiritual tone of our home. And let me tell you, preaching like this, it's really funny because like I've said, 
I've been saying we need to be, men need to be spiritual tone setters in our homes for how many years? A lot. You know what's funny? Is when I tend to, to steer left when I should be going right, my wife would be like, hey honey, are you, are you setting the tone here tonight for us? And I'm like, oh, all right. Because sometimes I set the tone and it's not a pretty tone. And I have to, really? That's the only amen I got out of you the whole morning. Wow. Sometimes it's not pretty. And I have to repent. Because here's the thing. The people that know us the best, they know us the best. They've seen us, I mean, they've seen us at our worst. And if they're willing to, if you're willing to repent... Like, that speaks volumes of you. You say, well, what if they don't forgive me? Well, that's on them. Not you. You did your part. You did what you were supposed to do. You said what you needed to say. You were obedient to what Jesus called you to do. Now, the ball is in their court. The other person is, well, I don't know if they'll forgive me. I don't, I don't know. Don't live like that. Get Jesus to forgive you and then move forward. If somebody else will not forgive you, that's on them not you. You don't have to own that. You just have to be faithful to say, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And I'm going to do my best as a father, a grandfather, an uncle, an aunt, a grandmother, a mother. I'm going to be, I'm going to do my best to raise my kids in discipline, in the discipleship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, grandparents, you have an influence. Uncles, you have an influence. Aunts, you have an influence. Moms, dads, you, I, know, I don't have an influence in my kid's life. Yes, you do. But I've done too many, I've done too many bad things, Caleb. Repent. You can't out the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is opportunity for you to find forgiveness. There is opportunity for you to find God's grace. But you've got to be willing just to say it. The scripture tells us in 1 John, if you confess, he is faithful and just. The first word in that text is the word if. If you confess, then you find forgiveness. If you don't, forget, if you don't confess, you do not find forgiveness. And you will die in your sins and you'll go to hell. That's, like, that's not from me, that's out of the word of God. If you, if you are just cold and callous and said I'm, your heart's hardened to this stuff, and you will not re- just... Oh, just be pliable. Be willing. Be said, God, okay, whatever you want from me, I'll do whatever is necessary. That, that's what it takes. Repentance. You've been listening to a sermon audio resource from the ministries at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, Kansas. We pray that this encourages you and challenges you on your walk this week with Christ. To find out more about what's going on at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, you can go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. Thank you and God bless.